What is up, everybody? This is Power to Wix, and this is the 39th episode. You might have noticed something different about me. Yeah, I got a haircut. <laughs> like I've been saying, I've been wanting to shave my head for such a long time, and I just finally did it, you know, because I figured, why not? I've never had short hair in my life, and what's stopping me from shaving my head? You know, and I, I was a little scared because, like, you never know how people are going to react. Like, they could say, oh, you're ugly, you know, stuff like that. You know, you never know. And so I was a little worried, but at the end of the day, it's like, you know, I don't care. My hair is going to grow back, and I feel like I'm really going to like it, and I don't care what anybody else thinks. You know what I mean? And so I just did it. And this is – and I just want to tell you all or encourage you all – to do something that you're scared to do. If you're scared to shave your head, but you want to shave your head, I would shave your head. <laughs> um, and things like that, you know, just just do what makes you feel good, you know, because why else are we here besides to be free and to live the life that we want, you know? Like I said, we were put on this earth to get everything that we want, because why not? We deserve it, right? Yes. Also, today I have my special friend, Clara. So this is Clara. She's a beautiful, beautiful plant. Um, I don't know what plant, what kind of plant she is, but she looks like she has like lily pads on the top of her, like her leaves look like lily pads. So she might be part of that family, but I'm not really sure. But yeah, Clara here is going to be helping me talk about a very amazing beautiful, strong, smart woman that I'm going to be talking about today. So her name is Susan Lefleche. That is right. She was born June 17th, 1865, and she sadly passed away September 18th, 1915. So she had a pretty long life, um, but it it was sad because towards the end, it just, it wasn't good towards the end uh but we'll get there so she is in fact a gemini ooh, which is kind of cool you know so she was born on the omaha reservation in eastern nebraska so she is actually a native american or she was a native american and she lived on the omaha reservation which is really cool i've never personally been there or seen it but i think it would be really fascinating to go and see this reservation because i've heard a lot about it So she is actually the youngest of four girls, and she also has an older half-brother. So she has lots of siblings, which is really cool, you know what I mean? So, in fact, when she was born, her parents actually didn't give her an Omaha name because she they didn't want her to be, like, discriminated against or set back in in the world because, as we all know, Um, Native Americans are not treated fairly and they weren't treated fairly especially back then when she was alive they were not and I'm very sad that that happened so in fact they didn't want to give her a name that would set her back in any way so they gave her the name Susan which as a lot of people know that's kind of like a white person name Um, but I thought that was kind of interesting to learn about that because you never think about that sort of thing or in fact I never have thought about something like that Um, but it's very sad that they couldn't give her a traditional Omaha name just because other people would discriminate against her which is very unfortunate and in fact they wouldn't let her get the traditional face tattoos that a lot of 
Native American women would get in the Omaha tribe. They they didn't allow her to get any of those because, like, with the name, they didn't want her to get discriminated against or set back in any way. Also, um, her father and an older sister actually encouraged her to speak English, so that way she would be bilingual. So she that, that way she would know the Omaha language plus the English language, which I thought was really cool. I always think it's really cool when people know more than one language because that makes you really freaking smart. You know, you know two languages, whole languages, which is fascinating, you know. I personally only know one language really good. Uh, I know a little bit of Spanish just because I have Mexican, so I know a little bit of Spanish, but other than that, I really don't have any experience with that, but I thought I always think it's really cool when people know multiple languages. So as a child, uh, she witnessed a sick Native American woman go to see a white, white doctor to get help, um, but the white doctor actually refused to take care of her because she was a Native American and she was a woman. He wouldn't see her, and sadly, that woman actually died. And that's kind of what triggered Susan um, to become what she is known for today. Um, so what she's known for today is being the first Native American woman to ever receive a medical degree in the United States. Yeah, that's right. The first, which I, wow, you know what I mean? Like, that's freaking amazing. But that whole event really triggered her to be like, you know, what? why are we doing this? Why, why are doctors denying to help people just because they're different. And she really was like, this is not right, this is bull crap, and I'm going to change it. And I thought that was really cool that she decided to change it, and she did. She made huge achievements for Native Americans and women across the world and the country. So I wanna thank you, Susan, for doing all that, you know, that's freaking amazing. So when she was a child, she was going to the mission school, but then by the time she was 14, she left to Elizabeth, New Jersey, um, where she studied at the Elizabeth Institute, um, and she studied there for two and a half years, and then she came back to the reservation when she was 17, started teaching at the agency school, which was the school on the reservation, um, which is really cool. You know, she got the knowledge, and then she brought brought it back, and she spread the knowledge around to her community and tribe, which I thought that was really cool, and I think that's always important because... Like I always say, <laughs> education is power, knowledge is power. So I just feel like if you know something, you should help teach somebody else for it too, you know what I mean? So after two and a half years of that, and she left for the Hampton Institute in 1884, and that's in Hampton, Virginia. She actually graduated from Hampton Institute on May 20th, 1886, where she was a class salutatorian, so that means she was the second of her class, which is freaking amazing. And she was also awarded the Demarest Prize, which is given to the graduating senior who receives the highest examination scores during the junior year. Wow, like that just proves that she's freaking smart, you know what I mean, which is freaking amazing. So female graduates of the Hampton Institute were gener generally encouraged to either teach or go back to their like um, reservations and become Christian wives or mothers or anything like that like they women were not encouraged to 
go any higher than where Susan is at, at right now. They did not encourage her to do this, but she actually decided in 1886 to apply to medical school. And this is freaking amazing because, fun fact, in the Omaha tribe, the healers were generally women. So it's like, why did this all of a sudden change? And, well, I know why it changed, because white people came in and changed it. But I find that really, really sad, because that's not how it should have been. And I'm so glad that she kind of went back to the roots of her of her tribe and actually became a healer for her tribe, which I thought that was freaking amazing. So she was actually accepted into the Women's Medical College of Pennsylvania. And this school was actually established in 1850 and is one of the few medical schools on the East Coast for the education of women, which is freaking amazing that there was institutions out there like that at that time. It's sad that there weren't more, but I'm glad there were at least a few. But she needed help to go to school, as more, most people do. You know, most people don't have the money to be able to just pay for school outright, you know what I mean? So she actually asked a family friend by the name of Alice Fletcher, who was an anthrographer from Massachusetts. And she was she had broad networks all across the women education boards and all of that. And so and Susan actually helped nurse her back to health um, when she was younger. So Alice was actually able to get into contact with this association. So Alice actually wrote to a Connecticut Indian Association, and she described um, Susan's life and what she wanted to do, and she said that she wanted to enter homes of her people as a physician and teach them hygiene as well as curing their illnesses. And this was in line with the Victorian virtues of domesticality, which the association wanted to encourage. So I'm super happy that they were actually able to help Susan to go to school and to and to help people, you know what I mean? I find it really sad that the only reason this association helped her out was because they were like, oh, that's, that's going to help them become more domesticated. That's so wrong, you know what I mean? Like, she wanted to help people because the white people were not helping her people. You know what I mean? And so I find that so freaking sad that something like that is the reason she got to be pushed forward. But I'm also really glad that that happened just because without that, she would not have been able to go to medical school and she would not have been able to help all the people that she did in the future. Um, So yeah, so the association actually sponsored her to go to school. They paid for housing, they paid for books and other supplies. So basically she got a full ride, which is amazing. Also fun fact, she's actually considered the first person in the United States to ever receive aid for professional education in the United States. That is right. That is freaking amazing. You know what I mean? Like I said, it was sad that that, like the reasoning behind the association for helping her, but I'm just so glad that they were willing to help her because as you can see, they haven't, they never helped anybody else before. Um, So that's amazing that they helped her go forward and to get educated, which is amazing. Um, But what I found was really sad and not right was association made her promise to stay single um, during her education plus two and a half years after her graduation so that way she could stay focused 
on her studies, which is like, really? She had to be single for that? Do you, does this association make all the men do that? Probably not. But that was really unfortunate, but she wanted a medical degree and she wanted that. So she stayed single. Um, and she was actually the valedictorian and graduated at the top of her class. So she, so in fact, when she graduated on March 14th, 80, 1889, she was a valedictorian of her class, which is freaking amazing. Uh, this was a three-year course, and for her to be able to keep that up, keep her grades up, is freaking amazing, you know what I mean? So in June 1889, she applied for the position of government for physician at the Omaha Agency Indian School, and she was offered the position less than two months later, which is freaking amazing. Like I said, she went out and got educated, and she got knowledge, and she brings it back to her, brings it back to her community, which is freaking amazing. And so, yeah, so she, when she got that job, she often, so the job was not easy. Most of the time, she had to work 20-hour workdays, um, and between the time that she worked there, she saved 1,300 people, which is freaking amazing, because who else were going to save those people, you know? And I'm just so glad that she was able to do that, but I cannot imagine 20-hour workdays. That just, wow, but I'm so glad that she was able to push through that and that she was able to become strong enough to be able to do that, you know what I mean? So in December 1892, she unfortunately became very sick and was bedridden for several weeks. Um, she was forced to take time off in 1893 um, to care for her sick mother and also to kind of recover herself also. So she actually resigned from that government physician position. <laughs> Um, in 1893 to take care of her dying mother and because she believed that putting family first is more important than work and I totally agree with that even though she was helping other people not be sick she needed to give all her time to her mother um, because she knew that her mother probably didn't have that much longer and she wanted to spend time with her so that was very unfortunate but she made it through you know so yeah so she, for most of her life, suffered from chronic illnesses. So in medical school, she had been bothered by trouble breathing. And after a few years working on the reservation, she was forced to take a break to recover, like I said. And she took that break because she was suffering from chronic pain in her neck, head, and ears. And she recovered, but then she, like I said, fell ill again. And this time it was because she fell off of a horse and that left significant internal injuries. Um, over time, her condition caused her to go deaf. It's very, very unfortunate, and I was very sad to hear that just because she is a doctor, and she probably knew everything that was happening to her, or maybe she didn't, but she probably knew something, you know what I mean? And it's just really sad that people have to live in chronic pain or have chronic illnesses, um, but that goes to say that she is such a strong woman that she kept push, pushing through that. You know what I mean? She had chronic neck, head, and ear pains. I could not imagine what the pain she felt. I bet it was unbearable some days. And 
It's very unfortunate that she went through that. So it's been a year after she resigned from that position. So in 1894, she actually met and married a Henry Picot, and he was a Sioux Native American. Um, he had been married before, and he actually divorced his wife. Um, but Susan's family and friends were very surprised about the marriage because they did not think that they were good together um, and stuff like that. So they were like, whoa, what are you doing with this guy, you know? But they were in love, and they married, you know? And then, in fact, they actually had two sons, one by the name of Carl, and he was born in 1895 or 1896. The records weren't clear. And then they had a second kid, a second son named Pierre and born in early 1898. So they had a whole little family, which is really cute and we love to see that. <laughs> in addition to caring for people's immediate medical problems, she also sought to educate her community about preventative medicine and other public health issues, including temperance and also including alcoholism because alcoholism actually affected her husband so Henry was actually an alcoholic, and Henry unfortunately died from tuberculosis, which was enhanced and inflamed by his alcoholism, which is very sad, but she wanted to help educate her community to make sure that that didn't happen again. So she actually opened a private practice in nearby Bancroft, Nebraska, and she was actually there treating whites and Native Americans, and which I thought that was really freaking awesome because... Like, she could have totally been, like, no whites allowed, you know what I mean? Because, like, that doctor that kind of started her whole love for medicine did not, like, first denied that Native American woman. So I thought that was really strong and brave of her to be like, you know what, no, I'm going to take care of everybody because I'm a doctor and I need, and I can take care of everybody, you know what I mean? So she actually served on the health board of the town of Walt Hill and was the founding member of the Thur Thurston County Medical H Society in 1907, um, which is freaking amazing because we always need more people to represent people of color and people of minorities, which I thought that was really cool that she, being a Native American woman, stood up and was on the board of big organizations, which is freaking amazing. So she was actually also the chair of the State Health Committee of Nebraska, of the Nebraska Federation of Women's Clubs during the first decade of the 20th century, which is freaking amazing, like I just said. <laughs> um, so from her time in the medical school onward, she was also campaigned for the building of a hospital on the reservation. And that hospital was actually completely built in 1913, and it was later renamed in her honor. This was the first privately funded hospital on the res on a reservation, which is freaking amazing that she was able to do that. She was the first of a lot of things, you know. She was an amazing, brave woman that I'm so glad that was alive and able to do all these amazing things. So her most important crusade was the tuberculosis outbreak, which killed hundreds of Omaha people and like I said it also took her husband which is very sad but she was trying to help fight that you know what I mean which I'm sure was not an easy task but she pushed through it and she got through it so by early March 1915 she was suffering greatly um and she actually unfortunately died of bone cancer in on September 18th 1915 um which is really sad and unfortunate 
and nobody deserves to go out like that, but it happens. But I'm just so glad that she got to live a full life full of many firsts, of many accomplishments, of many love and joy and all the abundance that I'm sure she was given when she was alive. And so the Reservation Hospital in Watt Hill, Nebraska, is now a community center and is named after her and was declared a National Historic Landmark in 1993, which is freaking amazing, you know what I mean? Also in 2019, a statue of her was dedicated as part of Hampton University's Legacy Park, which is awesome. That's where she went to school. And so for them to build a statue of her to bring that back is freaking amazing. On October 11, 2021, Nebraska's first officially recognized Indigenous People's Day, a bronze sculpture of Dr. Susan Lefleche Picot was unveiled by her descendants on Lincoln's Sentinel Mall, which is freaking amazing. You know, like I always say, if you do amazing things, I believe that you should be awarded for those amazing things and you should be seen for all the things that you have done. And she did a lot and she did such amazing acts of kindness and acts of giving life. You know what I mean? She was a doctor. She saved people's lives which is freaking amazing, and she is such a beautiful, smart, confident, brilliant, all the great things in this world, that that is who she was, and so I'm just so glad that I found out about her, so she is such an amazing woman, and sadly, this is also the end of her story, Um, so I hope you all enjoyed the story of Susan Leiflesh. She was an amazing woman who did amazing things. And I hope you all just go learn more about other amazing women out there who are doing amazing things. And I also want to say thank you, Susan, for doing all the amazing things that you did and for pushing forward and being strong and confident and beautiful, you know? <laughs> so yeah, so I guess it's time to get into the positive segments. Um. So today I have another pre-read one and so I'm just going to read it. So this is about reducing the waste of surplus food, which as we all know is a huge problem because a lot of people throw away food um, that's usually not bad, you know. Um, so let me read this to you. So every day huge amounts of food are thrown away as supermarkets offload produce that has passed its best before date. Restaurants, cafes, and bakeries dispose of uneaten meals and foods for similar reasons. Now an app called Too Good To Go is reducing this waste. Deviced in Copenhagen, the app offers users in 14 European countries across countries access to unsold, safe-to-eat produce from participating suppliers. The food is heavily discounted at at about a third of the regular price. So this app was launched in 2016 and Too Good To Go has now been downloaded by 22 million people in Denmark, Norway, Sweden, Germany, France, the Netherlands, Belgium, Spain, Austria, Italy, Poland, Portugal, and the UK. Users can see which outlets in their neighborhood have surplus food available that day, which they can pick up at closing time. The app helps households on restricted budgets, providing an estimated 100,000 meals a day 
and also plays a part in mitigating climate change. Food waste contributes to 8% of global greenhouse gas emissions, says Meat Like, Too Good To Go CEO. Together, we can fight food waste and ensure quality surplus produce doesn't end up in the bin. Our mission is a world where food produced is food consumed, which is freaking amazing. And I so wish that the United States would allow this app because, like I said, there there are so many... there's so much food that is thrown away that it's not bad. You know, most of the time, just because the best before date is past, it doesn't mean that the food's still not good. Um, and unfortunately, there's so many starving people in this country and in this world, in fact, that there should be no reason we should be throwing out food. There shouldn't be. If there are starving people out there, we should not be throwing away food that is good. I don't believe in that. And I think it's really fascinating and amazing that there are people out there who agree with me and who are making apps like this to help fight that you know that that means those 22 million people who downloaded that app have the ability to go get food at a cheaper price and just to be able to have food you know what I mean because a lot of times they don't get food which is very sad um but I'm glad there's people out there that are helping fight this. So I want to say thank you to the Too Good To Go's app CEO and the whole company for making this app and really pushing this and helping the world, you know, and helping the people of the world, which is freaking amazing. So that was a positive segment. I hope you all enjoyed. And sadly, that was also the episode. Uh, I also hope you enjoyed this whole episode. I hope you enjoy listening to me talking about Susan because she is such an amazing person and so yeah so you can listen to this podcast on any podcasting medium that you listen to um also you can find this podcast on Instagram Twitter TikTok and YouTube at Powered Women also if you want to go check out my personal Instagram page at Emily Nichols 00 that'd be awesome and my personal Twitter page at Young Emily 1864 Also, if you want to go check out my other podcast that I do with my brother called The Five Cent Club, where we just talk about stuff that doesn't make sense. Um, And this week, we're actually talking about the Halloween origin story. So be sure to go check that out. It's going to be a really good episode. And I hope you all have an amazing rest of your day. Stay safe out there. Stay healthy. And don't waste food, okay? (laughs) Also, if you are contemplating about doing something that might be scary or you just feel like or you might be the first person to do that just remember that you can do this you are brave you are confident you can do anything that you put your mind to it you deserve everything that you want out of this life so with that being said go out there chase what you want get what you want and be kind to everybody okay help everybody out and yeah (laughs) have an amazing rest of your week as always i'll talk to you and i'll see ya next week on tuesday peace and aliens be with ya